This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 271. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on episode 271, we finish off the first box set in the Forgotten Jally collection by Vinegar Syndrome. This is movie number three in box set number one. Don't worry, don't worry. Not only do you have a box set number two to look forward to, with me and Dave James Parker working our way through them. But in the interim between the last episode and this episode, did they not just go and announce another box set, which should be here real fucking soon, which means we will be rolling this series through longer than expected, much to my joy. This movie is the third disc in this box set number one, and it is Trauma, and we will be reviewing it after the first break. Before we get to that, let's catch up where we are under the stairs, a brand new week of podcast content coming your way. And it all starts right here. On Thursday, you are getting a very special episode. It will feature myself sitting down with Jill Six, director of the upcoming movie, The Stylist, which will make its way to the Arrow streaming channel on the 1st of March and to Blu-ray in June. I sat down and chatted with the director. It was a great conversation. So you get that and a non-spoiler review of the movie as well on that episode dropping on Thursday. On Saturday, you are getting a review of another one of those Shudder titles. And then Sunday, 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 we swing our way into the Arrow video assortment. On the Tea Putts Collective, Opera Omnia is dropping this weekend. Myself and Bo Ransdale will be a sitting down and we will be discussing a little movie. You may have heard of it before, Seven. That is the second movie in our look at the entire filmography of David Fincher. So that is your lineup this week. Like I said before, tons of awesome stuff. It's also worth noting that I have a new podcast project coming out. It's likely to be this weekend. It is a collaboration between Podcast Under the Stairs, myself and the Baz, and the two sexy Glaswegian gentlemen, Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs Evil. We are bringing together, combining and pulling our forces for a discussion-based podcast, not on movies, but to be honest, it's about just stuff in general. Imagine it sitting down at the, the table at a bar, and listen to your friends talk shit. And that's kind of what the show will be. Um, so yeah, that'll be dropping hopefully over the weekend. So keep your eyes peeled. More details will follow throughout the week. Where you can check it out. Right, let's get on with the show, shall we? We're going to take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. There is no trailer available for this movie. So after the promo, I'll be joined with Dave James Parker. We will be discussing trauma from 1977. Coming right up, right after this. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. 
We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon-exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, yep, this is the last disc in box set number one of the Forgotten Jelly set, released by Vinegar Syndrome. Um, Joining me on this series is the man that proposed that we do this series, and I'm just going to say he chose wisely. It is my good buddy, Dave James Parker. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I, I think that we actually had a pretty solid box set so far. I don't I, know about the second and third one. Yeah, I'm I, I am I'm tempering my expectations, but very much like the recent run of the Arrow Video American Horror Project, I have yet to find one that I've been like, well, this was a waste of a Blu-ray. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I've 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 genuinely enjoyed watching movies like we we mentioned in some of the previous episodes that. You know, I may have heard of the name, I may not have heard of the name, but I would never have seen them. I would never have been able to track down a decent watchable copy of this and to have it in 2K with the bonus extra stuff that they have in here and the set that they've released. If you're a fan of this genre and just obscure and, um, you know, retro movies of the time period, I mean, you cannot not be a fan, double negative, but you cannot not be a fan of... What they've done here, I think it's great. Oh yeah, because most of this stuff you wouldn't even be able to find fan subs. Oh, they'd yeah. be like, they'd be like a VHS, like a Spanish VHS without subs, and it's like, oh, this scene's cut, this scene's yeah. cut. Yeah, and these look great. Yeah, we're moving into this last one here, which I'll be honest when I read <laughs> when I read the synopsis of the previous episode, I was like, hmm, this sounds interesting. And I, I had a boner since we. I was holding the boner for it the whole time. Um, this one, oh yeah well this is trauma right according to the vinegar syndrome website the synopsis is daniel a writer seeking seclusion to work on his new book finds himself stranded at a rural bed and breakfast run by a strange prudish young woman and her ailing wheel-bound chair husband who remains shut in his room all day however as night falls a psychotic razor-wielding killer begins stalking the bed and breakfast brutally slashing the throats of the most sex-crazed guests whose bodies and luggage then mysterious disappear the following morning. A satisfyingly trashy, low-budget, they're not joking, a Spanish jello which inadvertently also ranks as one of the country's earliest proto-slashers. Leon Klimovsky of The Vampire's Night Orgy, Trauma, a.k.a. 
whatever we're calling that, I'm not reading that, is filled with gratuitous sex and nudity, along with bloody killings. Barely released outside of Spain, Vinegar Syndrome presents trauma on Blu-ray in a brand new 2K restoration of its camera negative in its longest version ever presented on home video. Um, I mean, some companies try to oversell a movie. Some companies, I feel, undersell their movies. Vinegar Syndrome has pitched this just right. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. And I love that they say they're most sex crazed guests because AKA that means all the guests because yeah. there's like four guests. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> not many people crazy. stopping at this bed and breakfast, but when no. they do, they are fucking, which I mean, and what I've realized is in Spain, you marry a lot younger than you if you're a man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, this guy definitely, the, the guy, what's his name, George? Yeah. He definitely was a producer on this movie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think Troy Howard probably, he definitely put money into this because it's Some like, <laughs> I was saying this, like literally, I just want to go back into like a 70s giallo. Me and you, like, just like, because in 70s giallo, average men, like beautiful people throw themselves at average men yeah. all the time. Yes. So I'm just like, man, I'd be cleaning up in a 70s giallo. I'd be coming there with non shaven and like, like gym shorts and this beautiful people be throwing themselves at me. I'm like, man, I'm would, a stud in the 70s you would giallo. literally look at a woman and her top would fall off. I mean, that is, yeah. that is the... And then you can kill them legally. And almost get away with it. Um, almost. Yeah, so trauma was... Dare I say, trauma was the most fun out of the three, but I think it's the most fun out of the three because... Right from the very start, you kind of know exactly where this oh. one's going. Like right, right as soon as we yeah, see the, yeah, as soon as as soon as our you know our um our bed and breakfast owner goes upstairs and we see from the view of a chair looking at her as she's speaking to her wheelbound chair husband who is disabled and is not speaking back to her, I'm like, no. oh, we've, we've got some psycho shit here. right? I, I immediately on my letterbox left a review that says, I like psycho too. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like almost immediately I was like, right, cool. And then to be honest, as soon as that happened, I, like a wash of relief kind of flooded over me and I just sat back and enjoyed the... The nonsense and the 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 fun and the so many scenes in this movie where I was like, I might be reading this wrong. Like there are a couple of things that I might oh, be reading I, wrong. I, think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. And I just want <laughs> so a couple <laughs> a couple of things in particular, and one involves a writer and a young boy. Oh my god, I have that written right here. I was like, this guy's a pervert. And then, like, he grabbed his shoulder and I was like, he is a pervert. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, and it's not... <laughs> so, right, so, yeah, well, contextualise this comment. Right, basically, we have this bed and breakfast, which everyone keeps referring to as beautiful, but looks kind of dingy. Um, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's, you know, it's rural, countryside, Spain. And our, we, you know, this author arrives and he's very much a kind of Stephen King type in that you know he's arrived and he's really struggling to write his new book and he's kind of just up and walked out and his wife um, without really telling her where he's going but he's looking for and, and it feels like he's psychologically damaged like we get the point mm. that this is like a breakdown or something yeah he's just like one day he's just kind of snapped and he's, he's, he's went away and he's kind of set up shop in this bed and breakfast and is infinitely fascinated by the owner um, who he finds 
very attractive and rightly so she is quite attractive oh i i from the first second i saw her i was like she is insane and i love her yeah like she's absolutely and you know there is something that you we're talking about you know average men and beautiful women but like the, the beautiful women in in jallos sometimes turn out to be a bit crazy so that's it i mean yes you get them but they sometimes you also get a, a straight razor to the throat. <laughs> yeah, it can come out of nowhere. Um, essentially, he arrives here. She is she is kind of maintaining this place herself. It's not very busy, a la Bates Motel. Um, and, you know, it's only really doing kind of mediocre trade on those <laughs> that are kind of, you know, happening upon it, a la Bates Motel. And she has her husband upstairs who is wheelchair bound and you know it's a, a series of different things that are, are going on with him and she kind of is fascinated by this guy he's kind of fascinated by her and then we kind of jump to the next day after a bit of kind of flirting over well you know maybe you can't read a book but I can read everything I need to in your eyes and I was like oh this dialogue is hammy I love it uh, just like just don't make fun of me I would never make fun of you oh yes <laughs> I love this it's, it's very kind of there's a couple of scenes as well which remind me of you know how you get those Spanish sitcoms no I, I the only Spanish sitcom I know is the one from The Simpsons the, the only one I know is the one from Friends <laughs> Like, okay, that's our knowledge. Yeah, and it's like that where like something happens and everyone's just like, oh, like just kind of oh, like, um, and that's that's kind of how this went a couple of times. But the next day, our, our, our author is just walking around there and he finds this boy. I would say maybe early teens, 12, 13. Yeah, maybe twelve about to fourteen. That. Yeah, definitely. I'm just gonna say innocent and young and underage. And he kind of manhandles him. <laughs> he grabs him by the arm. And at first I thought, well, this is kind of strange. Um, and then he kind of plays into the, ah, oh, yeah, I was just just checking out what you were doing, all this. And I'm like, well, this is really strange. And then I thought, oh, yeah. well, this is just a one-off character. He's not coming back. This character this character is almost in the epilogue of the movie. <laughs> where he's he like, comes back twice. <laughs> and and it's, it's weird because he catches the kid being a voyeur, right? Yes. So he punishes him. And then, like, ten minutes later, he's a voyeur watching those two bone on the car, the hood of the car. And I'm yep. just like, hmm. Different like, time. is this kid even here? Is it, like, in his head? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, but that's, like, there was a bit, like, because cause there's a, a part of me that thinks I'm, there's a part of me that's pretty sure I know what the ending is, right? Like, comfortably. But then there's another part very similar to the first movie we talked about, The Police Are Blunder in the Dark, where I yeah. feel it gives you something at the end that made me go... Well, do I know the ending? And the reason I say this, and obviously it's... The, when they were making the movie, they could not have anticipated, and rightly so, they couldn't have anticipated, the, you know, HD and 2K and all the rest. Oh, but yeah, because you know when you see the gloves. You're yeah, like, the hey. killer. Yeah, that's the killer has hairy arms, and it's grey hair that's on it. So it's the author. Like in my in my mind anyway, I'm like that. It's the author or the director. It's one of the two. Um, yeah. And I'm like, cool, right? So, like, I'm, I'm like, she's definitely she's definitely the killer. But this is quite this is kind of interesting element to throw in as a, a red herring. But then the final scene in this movie kind of made me go, well, eh? maybe they're both killers. Yeah, because then I started maybe thinking she, she was covering it up for him because she loved him. Maybe I, 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 I don't know. I don't like. 
because I thought like maybe he's like maybe he's went to the and part of me really loves the fact that I don't have a yep hundred percent this like book him Jim well you know there's an interesting aspect about it too because he's a writer right mm-hmm. and he is interested and inspired by her so he starts to explore her mm-hmm. and through his writing I think and I think he's kind of manipulating her maybe to push her to snap. So he can document that. It feels mm-hmm. like that at some point. He's interested and fascinated with the whole situation. So maybe he kind of pushed those situations so something actually would snap in her brain finally. I yeah. don't know. It's, it's like he, I, I get the feeling he and he anticipates a lot of it in advance. But even his wife, when his wife arrives later on, she says, you know, you've been in the slump. Um, you know, like I, you sometimes have a tendency to act out the things in your novel that you write for your characters that you can't live because of who you are. And I was like, oh, right, is that kind of... And then, but then another part of me is like, well, like you say, like he, he weirdly had this kind of fascination with her, so obviously he's going to take the blade at the end because this is like this weird kind of macabre yeah. memento of his next book, essentially. What You know, because you imagine this is this is fertile ground for the, the next murder mystery novel that this writer's going to do. It was just all very kind of out there. And I, I, once again, I liked it because whilst I do love the idea of, right, I totally know this is, you know, more than just a nod to Psycho. Um, the same point is I kind of also like the idea of the, the dual killer theory. You know, like maybe she kills the first... You know, or maybe first... he kills the first or something like that. It's a switch around. Well, he finds they know, a car. They both know that they're off. They he, both yeah. know that they're both off. For yeah, sure. he finds a car later on and doesn't bat an eyelid about it. You know, he he, yeah. he comes across the car and doesn't seem to... The car, like, buried in the woods and doesn't bat an eyelid and doesn't ask anyone about it. So I was wondering if maybe she killed the original couple because she yeah. saw them having sex, right? Uh, or, you know, yeah. they were flirting too much or whatnot. And then because he saw them having sex at the car maybe he killed the second couple and then obviously when he has sex himself he knows that as a triggering point that's going to yeah. trigger her and then he can get away with the perfect any way that we was any way we he left this. the money second the second people left money too so yes. maybe he did kill the second people because she was upset about it yeah. she definitely goes into a weird psychotic stage where she doesn't know what she's doing because yes. she has dual personalities yeah. but another interesting thing is um the, the one thing that I was thinking is the kid is the only one who knows the truth. I know that kid knows everything. Yeah, he's seen, he's been, he's been watching them. Yeah, so he definitely knows what's going on. Um, and the idea that she makes these little dolls. Yeah, like almost like every time she kills somebody, maybe she's making one of these dolls mm-hmm. and they kill him. And each doll represents somebody. That's why she's upset with the when the wife comes and breaks off a head. I think that's when that happens. Yeah, yeah. It could yeah, be. So. It could be. I don't like there's, but what. What I love about this is that for what, you know, to itself, it's a trashy kind of, it's definitely a pro-slasher. It's definitely leaning towards oh, yeah. more of the slasher than than, than, than the giallo. Um, but for all that, like being trashy and very run-of-the-mill, and, you know, like we say, you know, you, yeah, <laughs> I too love Psycho. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's like all these potential things, which are I think are all completely plausible because there's enough in here to take that from it all feel really satisfying and generally I get if there's a movie where I feel like it's too ambiguous at the end I can sometimes feel that as a bit of a frustration but this movie doesn't feel egregious that way at all if anything 
I actually find it quite charming, like about it. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it too. But I'm a I'm a psycho and a um, sucker for those psychosexual yeah. movies. Like any time, it's like, oh, this guy has or this woman has. It doesn't matter, male or female. They have a messed up psychological thing that ties in with their sexuality, mm-hmm. and we're just going to watch it unfold. If it, whether it's Killer of Dolls or Peeping Tom or Psycho, I just mm-hmm. I'm interested in that stuff. Probably because every, you know what I mean? It's just interesting to yeah. me, even though they're all the same fucking movie, but they're just a little bit different and they're all cool. Well, they're all quirky. Di- they're all quirky different. It's always like there's one little detail which is added in that you're like, huh, right? You know what I mean? Like the rest might be vanilla, you know, in the scheme of that genre, but they, I like to think that all directors like to try and put their own little, Argento is the best one for it. Like Argento puts the weirdest you know, like oh, yes, yeah. like and and this and this little bit of music triggers them. All. Like it's all these little things oh, that he brings the, to the, the mix that I love. The, so the bird with the crystal plumage is one of the most genius triggers for a killer I've mm-hmm. ever seen. Yep. It's like this person was attacked. Sorry, spoiler for bird with the crystal plumage. <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Nineteen seventy, um, guys. Nineteen seventy. <laughs> yeah. Come on. So the killer, this the killer was attacked at a young younger. And um, it was an infamous case. She was mm-hmm. attacked and raped in a park. And an artist decides to draw that painting. And when she sees the painting, it triggers everything in her memory to finally snap. Yeah. And that's such an Argento. And I love that. That's yeah. why I've always felt his were a little bit more interesting to me than the monetary giallos is that psychological giallo. It's like the psycho meets giallo. And it's just the best. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm 100% with you. It's the, it's, that, it's the transference of that over where they, as they bring that a lot... It was more kind of an American thing, and they bring that American thing in and make it an inherently Italian thing, which ultimately then inspires an entire pizza. Um, well, inspired pizza. <laughs> pizza, yes. As far as I'm sorry, that's why it's so good. Um, Dario Gento Giallos are pizza. They are American at its best. It's, it's so good. It's so good. But like, you, like, you, you, you know for a fact that. Well, you don't know for a fact, but you can speculate with a degree of certainty that without him doing the things that he did, you know, did the way he did it, you don't get a, a lot of those, like, you don't get things, I feel like Sleepaway Camp feels like something no, that's no. birthed from the mind of oh, a yeah. kind of transference. It's the American storyteller prism through the Italian genre back into, you know, America to get that. And I kind of love it because of it. And that's but it's got that get... cheap American quality too about it. It's yeah. got the cheap Friday Thirteenth like quality and the New Jersey shit in there too. So it's just completely different. Yeah, they, they put they put their own spin on it, and I I love that about it. Trauma has this. I don't know, like it has. Well, it's once again not as many boobs as um, the police are blundering in the dark. And right, once again, de facto boobs were all over the walls in that movie, which one? But yeah, a lot of bit. Yeah. What I love. <laughs> I love about this as well is like uh, her trauma of her abusing visions of her husband through the dialogue are basically get your tits out, um, you and know, dance. <laughs> and dance, like, sexy dance. Now, women, topless. It's it's like I I did find that kind of because the music that goes along with it is very kind of you know kind of cringy and in that way which i love that kind of 17 i love i love that when they reveal her like alter ego she literally is just dressed like a trench coat giallo killer i'd like to see the flash of her just imagining watching her dancing watching herself dance and be like yes dance yes like she's like but you still you still never hear the voice of the male like you never heard her upstairs doing the the husband's voice do you no 
Like you don't, and that's the, like like she hears the voice in her head, which is interesting. And also, like there's there's a couple of things as well which can can like really early on, right? For 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 going to go into how they try and set this up as a, a kind of false narrative. I love that phrase. Um, when she's chatting to the writer when he arrives that night. There's a bang that happens upstairs before anyone's in the hotel, um, and she plays it off as her disabled husband. So I'm assuming it's a cat, maybe. It's definitely the cat, yeah. but but on that okay. level of that weird alter ego, um, it brings up a movie that I just watched a few a few weeks ago that I think you would be interested in. It's mm-hmm. from 2005. It's an Asian film by the director of Evil Dead Trap called Man Behind the Scissors. You should check that one out. Man Behind the Scissors. If ever there was a Jalo yeah. name, that's one. Oh, yeah, yeah. It has some Jello influences. It's like a, a serial killer thriller, but immediately reminding me of the dual personality kind of deal, like, and the voice and everything. So so check that one out. I know that's kind of probably a deep cut, but yeah, so we're doing 05 on, 05 on the 2022 uh, shots, and I, I immediately went right to the Asian films. I was like, <laughs> I'm watching all the heavy hitters and all the Asian films, because that's all I'm going to watch, because I'm not watching fucking Boo and Boogie <laughs> and shit in 05. Fuck that shit. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, I got off track. Well, I, there is there is a there is a bit where you're like, this is maybe the only time I'm going to be able to dedicate a sizable amount of viewing to one cause, and I'm going to make sure that that cause is worthwhile. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of with you. There are times where I will forgo certain certain. Well, let me put it this way: there's no way. If I'm doing a run of movies that cover the 2010s, for example, I can't think of a series that's going to be doing that soon. Um, I'm going to be spending time watching Sharknado sequels. You know what I mean? If somebody picks one of those, I'm just not going to watch it. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to be watching those. And the reason I'm not going to be watching those is I can predict with a massive degree of confidence that they were never in the top 20 movies released that year. Right? So... I don't like movies that celebrate failure. If you yeah. if you make if you try your hardest and you suck, I love you all day. I love you forever. But if you don't try and you still yeah. suck, if you like well, you're if you're trying. knowingly trying to make a bad movie, I think that's fuck a you. You know what I mean? If you uh, if you know that. for a fact you're, I am making a bad movie. As opposed, it's like people. I, I, I can't remember if we if we spoke about this before, but when when a movie comes out and everyone's telling me this is a cult movie. I cringe at that because I'm like, no, a cult movie is one that no one likes apart from a small few people. And ten years later, it finally starts to get its audience. It's not out, and it's a cult movie because you know, like, you know, people at a festival yeah, screen yeah, it really like to, Years yeah. and years, it has to gain its cult status. Yeah, like, we just throw that word around as if it's nothing nowadays. Oh, or classic, like we said, oh, it's a classic <laughs> slasher classic. It's like scalps, bro. Like, I don't remember anybody ever recommending films has a lot to like. I, like every time I watch one of those, not all of them, but the majority of them, I feel like sending a dictionary to them and just like circling, underlining. Uh, this is what a classic means. Like, I mean, this is this is what it means. And this movie I just watched here, not a fucking classic. Um, but yeah, I, I feel trauma in a lot of respects, though. See, trauma to me is the is the epitome uh, of what a box is a, <laughs> a cult classic. Cult classic. <laughs> it's, the, it's the epitome of everything I wanted this box set to do. And what I love about it, if we're contextualising it amongst the three. None of the three of these movies are alike. 
yet they all, I can see why they're grouped together, and they all feel like introducing different facets of the glove killer in a really interesting way. And Jallo is a, a broad term, I think it sometimes gets unfairly painted, and you very early in the review here pointed out the, the difference between a monetary, you know, uh, a motive for a killer, between a kind of psychosexual trauma uh, angle yeah. to the killer. There are ones out with that. There's the old ritual sacrifice that appears in some 70s movies as well. Yeah. We're doing stuff for Satan. Um, you know, like we have lots of different ways we can work things through. And all of them have their own distinct flavours and beats that come with it. Yes, they may be all be linked by the fact that there's a black glove killer killing people, but the movies themselves only really have that as a linchpin per se out with your bottles of J&B and whatnot. It's the, you yeah. know, it's the, the rest of the product, the, the very way the killer is killing people, the way they go about it, who they're targeting, all those things have their own distinct beats. And this box set in those three movies, I think, has beautifully covered those three because we're, we're looking at the police of blunder in the dark with their, you know, mind photography um, and the stuff that come out of that. The killer is one of their team, which is basically, a, it's a bit of lust and a bit of money uh, behind yeah. the motives. And then into this one, where it is just pure that kind of, she was abused by her husband who tried to rape her and she, you know, wasn't having any of it and she slashed him, slashed him and that cracked her brain at that part and as a result, it kind of occupies a part of it. I think yeah. we've got all three of those, and interestingly enough, I think all three of them play them surprisingly well. Like, so, like right down to the like killer one of thirteen is that we've got all the people in the house, and we're going to find out who the killer is. It plays it by the book. It might not be as good as some other movies, but it definitely plays it by the book. Trauma definitely plays it by the book. Uh, plays a blunder in the dark, moves into weird territory, but it still yeah. kind of feels very, very formalised and, and identified in its approach, which I appreciate. Again, I think those things are, are well done and they're well paced. And as a result, like we were speaking about this kind of off air. I, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of sitting here excited about what's to come in box set two and the newly announced box set three because I feel if we get a bit of this, very similar to that Arrow American Horror Project box. It's where the movies all just have a different flavour and a different vibe, but they're all representing, you know, a specific part of cinema. I think if they keep doing this, we're in for a treat, man. I, I, I can't see yeah, yeah. how we are not, because it's, it's ticking off movies that I really want to see. It's broadening my knowledge, but it's even if it's trashy, which this movie is... I love trash. You know, I'm a trashy person. Yeah, I, I, I like I, I like trash that when I sit down and watch it at the end, I've been entertained from start to finish. I think sometimes trash can be uh, misinterpreted with uh, mean. I think a, a movie can be like very uniquely mean and not have you know anything to anchor yourself onto. And as a result, when I finish that, I always kind of feel like. Ugh. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, I don't. I'm not going to rush back to watch that movie. I'll watch Trauma again. Like Trauma could marry up with a multitude of different movies. Um, oh yeah. Very yeah. very comfortably. I mean, Trauma would Trauma in a weird way would pair wonderfully with Dress to Kill. I, I could see me doubling those up in a way with Dress to Kill obviously being the main feature. But I could watch both those movies and and, and kind of feel kind of happy about the, the I fact would go that like both nods to cycle. 
Killer of Dolls is the one I'd go with. Nice, nice. Or, or Killer of Dolls with Maniac would be a good one. Or yeah. Pair this one up with. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like if you have the. Um, there's so many of these. What about Toys Are Not for Children? Even though oh, it's not a Giallo, yeah, yeah. It's a psychological horror film that Still fit. involves. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of that way. Yeah, it was. It was so much fun to see. Um, Cinematography is not bad in this. Like, I mean, no, the I, set design's a bit, mm, but the scenery is is well shot. And and Jen, I mean, it doesn't have any ostentation cinematography, but it's more than competent in this movie. I feel. What did you think? I had no problems with the cinematography or the soundtrack. They were all like, they're well done. They they didn't uh, like uh, stand out to me. Like mm-hmm. uh, Argento and some of those other guys, like um, even Joe D'Amato cinematography. Those usually stand out to me because yeah. you know they, they have a little bit more training in that and they focus on that i think the uh bigger euro guys i mean the italian guys focus on that a little bit more than the spanish guys yeah um the one facet this giallo box that was missing though was kind of focusing and showing the city because usually giallos Mm -hmm. are very city oriented or a character going to a city and kind of exploring that city um just to kind of get like that you know stay at home so you can look at the city from your house and just explore it like it would be anywhere whichever whichever country was like a a co-producer would be like this one's germany so we're in fucking hamburg you know what i mean like they would do that kind of deal so these are all rural or isolated giallos which is a little bit unique to be honest um i like i said the big dog in that category is don't torture a duckling that comes to mind for Mm -hmm. me the rest usually are more uh they do have high class though we have two high class giallos with high class kind of rich people yes. art novels that kind of thing and rich assholes and then the last one is more of a down-to-earth kind of quality even though it does have the artist coming to a, a rural area with a you know not rich or poor just an average person yeah the, the other thing is that it's not evident in this movie for the majority of this movie out with in fact right up to the very end it's not evident that anyone out with the killer is aware of the murders. Like, it's only yeah. revealed at the very end when she tries to kill the wife of the of the writer. That we actually get, I- oh, maybe something's going on here. You know, like, throughout the rest of the movie, only the killer knows that they've killed the person and disposed of them. He, the guy knew, but he didn't say anything, so well, I'm wondering if blood. his, <laughs> he yeah, if his wife yeah. would have never showed up, yeah. do you think he would have just stayed there or he would have went about his day and left and then just let her kill those people and then just went about his way possibly possibly because the, the blood thing's another one of those where he finds the car yeah, yeah no. well, he finds the car and he finds the blood and doesn't make any you might be right actually about this you might be on something about him knowingly um you know on, on some level intensifying the yeah, like a like journalist like the guy in nightcrawler like yes. i'm just gonna you know not help i don't i'm not a huge fan of that movie although i do see there's some genius moments in it mm-hmm. but the idea there to come and manipulate the situation to get what you want yeah, could yeah. possibly be there yeah i think i think you might be the more we've talked about it, i think you might be onto something that feels a bit more in line with the overall movie um i mean in talking about deaths um I mean, not great deaths, not terrible deaths. It is a lot of bright red blood. Yeah, coming out of a, a paint straight razor, yeah. you know what I mean? Just which, a gimmick. I mean, which is, once again, there's there's a part of me that pines for like, the kind of the, the kind of trashy cheesiness of, of that. You know, I, 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 there's there's some directors that can really, we've been speaking about Argento a lot, it's difficult not to, but there are some, some directors who really nail that violence in a way where you see it, you can't unsee it. And, and there's oh, yeah. a time and a place for that, and then there's a time and a place for this sort of thing as well. And I think it, it fits the movie. I think if you'd put in, like, really brutal, 
over the top, like horrific murder, I think it would have almost, it would have tipped it over. I, I don't think I would have been able to enjoy the trashier elements of the movie. You know, like th- th- this kind of weird connection between these two characters. Um, yeah. A lot of, like I said before, a lot of nudity. It's not, it's not egregious nudity by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of very attractive ladies. Uh, well done, yeah. Spain. It's like everybody's attractive in it except the lead male. Like yes. the other males that show up are like average to good looking guys, and then the lead guy's just like, I don't want to be a dick or anything. But he's just like balding middle aged guy that probably like you know what I mean? I'm like, what's going on with this guy? And I, I love that she's completely infatuated with him just yeah. because he's nice and she doesn't see him as sleazy, yes. but she's really possessive of him. And the funniest part to me, thinking about it when I was going back to this, was um, okay, so she is pretty conservatively dressed or normally dressed in the beginning, but mm-hmm. then like as it goes on, she gets less and less and she starts like not wearing a bra and she has a, a button-up shirt it's like her boobs are almost hanging out yes but then she's yelling at them like look at how she's dressed i'm like <laughs> you're kind of being a hypocrite because you're yelling at the prostitute lady for being dressed you know scantily clad and you literally are not wearing a bra with like four year buttons down like i don't know <laughs> what, what kind of world are it's you the, yelling it's at the old uh, the old pot calling the kettle black uh, yeah which... just let it be <laughs> yeah i, I mean there's, there's nothing else I actually have to say about Draw. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I had, like I said, I had a smile on my face like from about the 45 seconds, like one minute in when I, I was like, all right, I know what we're doing, right, cool. And yeah, yeah there, there's, a couple, there's a couple of head-scratching moments for sure. And I think you probably could take the ending or the killer one of several different ways. And to be honest with you, all of them feel fine. That reveal of her on the chair at the end dressed like her, you know, uh, former husband, where she basically looks like she is a Scooby Doo villain that's just been unmasked, like on a doll. Carmen Sandy. <laughs> so it's like Carmen Sandy in black. I loved it, and like, like, just all that stuff just made me, just made me smile quite a bit. Uh, do you have any final words on this one before we assign it a grade? Um, just basically want to uh, mention the director. Um, he he's done a bunch of these Spanish films, but mm. again, I'm gonna. One I talked about uh, in the Paul Nashy film we talked about, he directed People Who Own the Dark from 76. And that's kind of my jam because it's it's not a zombie movie, but it definitely fits that kind of scary zombie post-apocalyptic thing. It's a very cool nihilistic 70s movie. I would highly recommend it by the same director. And uh, the actor, the young man who walked in, the first guy who stopped, that yeah. guy I've seen about 100. He's in a bunch of movies. I, I, I know he's very familiar, mostly from Jess Franco films, again. <laughs> <laughs> So as you will, <laughs> yeah. I've never seen the other guy, the main guy. I've never seen in my life. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't necessarily think he was a great actor, but I didn't mind him at all. I thought he. Fit the I enjoyed part watching well. him. Yeah, I, thought, I enjoyed watching him. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, right, let's let's say top grades here for this one. Uh, as you are well aware, we do uh, one through five. One is hated it. Two is like uh, didn't like it. Sorry, three is liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. We do allow point fives. What are you thinking for trauma? When I'm coming to this set, like. The first one was the worst. The first one, they got better every time. But unfortunately, all the ratings are the same because I I always go off a 10-point scale. And if I was doing the 10-point, they would all be different. But since they're a 5-point, they're all the same. Like It would literally be 6.5, 7, and Mm 7.5. So I don't want to bump this to a 4 because a 4 is like, it's pretty fucking 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's pretty impressive if you give something a four, like a four is to me has always been like, Oh, you got to see this. This is a damn near classic. Mm-hmm. And this is almost real a four to me, but it's not still. So it's a three and a half still a high three and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm exactly the same grade as you, exactly the same grade as Adda's Killer is one of 13. And well, yeah, I think this one just pips out. Like, I would reach for this one before I went back to watch The Killer is one of 13, not because I dislike it. Anyway, I just feel that there's something... Like, I can very easily switch my brain off, not worry too much about the dialogue um, yeah. and trauma and still get everything out of it that I need to get. There's a lot of dialogue and the killer is one of 13, which kind of forces you to make sure you're paying attention to the subtitles, uh, where Trauma doesn't really have that. So yeah, I'm, I'm 3.5 as well. Now, we have box set number two to jump to, um, and you are my guest, so I will let you choose, because we have two movies from 72, one from 74. Uh, we'll do one of the oldest first, so it's up to you. What, 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 what do you think takes your fancy, the French sex murders or My Dear Killer? I want to do my dear killer because I've actually seen my the the French sex murders years ago on the old um uh Mondo Macabro DVD. Ah, nice. And nice. I actually saw half of the girl in room two A, but I don't remember a fucking thing about it. <laughs> That's good. We will reconnect you there. So my dear killer is uh, after a man is decapitated by a excavator at a rural construction site inspector Luca Peretti is assigned to the case but what initially seems to be an isolated killing soon paves the way for an ever-growing number of vicious murders as Peretti tries to desperately unmask the killer he discovers that all of the victims were in some way connected to another shocking crime the horrific murder of a young girl which has remained unsolved for several years directed by Tonino Barelli of Day of Anger, who's best known for making spaghetti westerns. Day of Anger is bitching, by the way. Um, I liked it. Oh, yeah, really, really liked it. Um, I my- feel the soundtrack for my opening of my videos. Well, see, I mean, this is because you have taste. You know what I mean? This is because you've got I taste. needed a resort of Lonnie. He's the best. <laughs> Uh, my dear killer was his sole foray into the giallo genre this resulted in a handsomely produced and unrelenting mystery thriller that revels in clever twists and brutal depictions of murders starring favourite giallo leading man George Hamilton you have me in on this one of the strange vice of Mrs Ward alongside William Berger is in this as well there we go a Patty Shepherd of Slugs. Oh. And, and she's also in The Killer is One of Thirteen. Yes, so she is. And Helga Lynn of Horror Express. Varelli crafts a tight and suspenseful film which is further anchored by Manuel Roja's Bell from Hell. A long take, heavy cinematography and Ennio Morricone of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. I love how they've shoved that in there just because Vinegar Syndrome people don't know who that is. Uh, unnerving yeah, <laughs> jazz and percussion based soundtrack. Vinegar Syndrome is proud to present this sleeper masterpiece of Prime Error Giallo Cinema on Blu-ray from and a stunning 4K oh, restoration from its 35 original negative. Dude, I have never been so willing to like easily throw I've already thrown my money, but throw my money at this again. Um oh, yeah. this is this is hitting all the sweet spots for me. Like everything in this is primo sweet spot for me. Uh, so yeah, you've you've chose wisely. We're gonna watch them all anyway, but you've chose wisely. Uh, I, there's something that makes me kind of happy about going at something really trashy to something a bit bit, you know, a bit like more, more craft behind it. Uh, I think those are good ones that instead of just like trash, 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 which I mean, like I said before, I'm fine with that as well. But we're mixing up, we're getting a little. A day of anger, um, I watched for the first time last year. 
Uh, Arrow yeah. put it out, and um, it, you know, I, I've been slowly. Spaghetti Westerns has always been a. I don't know why it's maybe one of the few kind of Italian things that it did. You know, I've always I found the sci-fi stuff fine, the police stuff fine, Jal stuff's great. Um, but the Spaghetti Westerns, I could never really get into out with the big heavy hitters. And then, like last year and a half. Uh, a few in those 88 films Italian collections have landed just sweet with me um, and they're, all, they're all I love all those really I've really never really seen a, a spaghetti western I've disliked nice well we, we will work our way through my dear killer on the next episode before we get to that as always uh, you have stuff to pimp you are a busy man uh, where can people check out your very very hard work uh, before I mention that Ooh. um Never trust George Hilton. I, I have all the movies. That, I'm not trusting that guy. He's bad. He's going to be the bad guy. He's, he's not trusting. I've, played, I've played this game before, and you've, you've led me up the garden I'm path, playing. and I've spent a whole whole movie persecuting an innocent man who's turned out to be the hero. Those dark, handsome eyes of George Hilton are lying to you. He's a monster. <laughs> okay. So, um, YouTube, Mr. Parka, check me out. M R P A R K A, one word, just search it. You should find me and 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's on Spotify, wherever podcasts are. Yeah, nice, nice. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm looking forward to returning two weeks' time for more of the Jelly. Uh, I'm going to take my final break of this episode. When I come back, I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 271. We have concluded box set number one in the Forgotten Jally Collection by Vinegar Syndrome by rounding out that third movie, Trauma. Thank you very much to my guest, Dave James Parker, for joining me. And he will be back in a couple of weeks' time as we crack open box set number two. Couldn't be any more excited if I tried. And then, as we said on this episode, in the interim, box set number three has been announced and should be here end of the month-ish which means I can't wait to get my grubby little paws all over it. And then, yeah, bring those reviews on this series for you. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. Wherever you're listening to us right now, hit subscribe. That way you never miss an episode coming out. You also get access to the over 800 episodes in the back catalogue. While you're at it, subscribe to the Teapots Collective, the sister feed to this show, where you can hear me discuss other things on Where to Begin With, Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty and chronicle supporting me by subscribing to both those feeds is the best thing you can do is is the greatest way to support what i do under the stairs you can check out our website it's teaputzcast.com the merch page is teaputzcast.bigcartel.com you can jump across to facebook and check out our facebook group page facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputzcast the Teapots Collective Facebook page is just simply facebook.com forward slash teapotscast. You can reach out and interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at teapotscast. The podcast under the stairs will return for you this Thursday with a special episode where I sit down and chat to the director of the upcoming Arrow video release, The Stylist. 
an interview with the director, a non-spoiler movie review for a movie coming out on the 1st of March to that digital channel and then physical release in June. You will not want to miss it. But until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off.